everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to go throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? Um, I know that we have been absent the past couple of days, but, you know, we've been working through some stuff, and now you're going to have us in your ears, you know, pretty much every day on the weekdays during December. So I think you should be happy about that. Um, this is a big week. Obviously, we know what happened on Saturday. We know the ramifications, and I guess we're going to get into that, right, Zach? Yeah, unless you've been living under a rock, um, <laughs> you know Florida is officially off to the SEC championship. They have clinched a spot. They have clinched the SEC East. They will be facing number one, Alabama. Um, I, I guess we've been living under a rock because we haven't been recording our podcast. But anyway, um, we're going to be talking about the game that was this past weekend, Florida versus Tennessee, and what got Florida officially on the road to Atlanta. But after that, we'll be getting a little more into that. Uh, Florida versus Alabama, what the, could that end up looking like? That'll be discussed in our second segment. And third, since the last time we've talked to you guys, uh, offensive coordinator Brian Johnson has reportedly interviewed for the South Carolina head coaching job. He did not get it. He was not a front runner as that job went to Shane Beamer, an Oklahoma assistant. However, it's clear, even though he's 33 in his first year as the offensive coordinator for a huge program like Florida, Brian Johnson ain't going to be the offensive coordinator for Florida that long. He, he, he's got some potential to go get himself a head coaching job sooner rather than later. So in our third segment, we'll be talking about that. But Demetrius, we can start off with this Tennessee game. It, uh, we certainly know it was not Florida's best performance. Uh, once again, it's a weird trend. We've been saying that a lot in the past couple of weeks. And it may have been really the worst offensive performance to date when it's all said and done because of how big of a non-factor the run game was. And Kyle Trask getting off, not Kyle Trask, but the offense as a whole seemingly getting off to a slow start and he couldn't elevate them past that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to start it off with like a positive note, obviously this is an amazing achievement for the Dan Mullen tenure. I mean, for them to get to the SEC championship game, this is kind of the goal that they have set forth, you know, from from day one since Dan was hired in 2018. Uh, they wanted to get to this championship game and now, and now they got it. And I think that this is a better, much better championship team than it was in 2016, the last time that they made it. I think 2016, they kind of just fell backwards into it, kind of, you know, the SEC East wasn't that strong. You know, Georgia was going through its struggles back then, and just it just seems like this is the year where it actually looks like they could compete. And so that's an incredible achievement. I think that this is going to be one of the best SEC championship games we've seen in a minute, and I understand that, you know, Georgia and Alabama have been going after it, but this is going to be fun. You know, we're going to see Kyle Trask versus Mac Jones. It's going to be – there's going to be a lot of storylines, the Heisman storyline for one, the the Dan Mullen storyline versus Nick Saban. Like, I think that all of this, you know, two big, you know, personality coaches, it's, it's going to be a fun one to cover, a fun one to watch for you guys. Um, but getting into the offense in terms of how they struggled against Tennessee, I feel like this was kind of snowballing. You know, from that Kentucky game, you kind of looked at it and said, huh, What's going on here? And and I know that that kind of says a lot because you're looking at the stats and you see Kyle Trask through for 433 yards, four touchdowns again. I believe it's nine straight games with three or more touchdowns, which is a an SEC record. He's still looking like a Kyle Trask where he's probably going to win the Heisman or should. 
But then you kind of dive a little bit deeper and you're looking at it and it's like 31 points. You know, is that how Florida wants to show itself going into this week against LSU and then the next week against Alabama? Um, Just looking at the second half, for instance, I mean, they score a touchdown, then they turn over on downs and then they punt, they punt, they score a touchdown again, and then they punt. That's not necessarily an offense that inspires confidence. Uh, they, They won the game but it didn't look like they dominated the game, which is what you want to see against a Tennessee team that was three and five, I believe, coming into the coming into the game that week. So um, I think that there's a lot of struggles. I mean, we, we can touch on the, the run game in a second, Zach, but I think that the, the, the issues need to be resolved this week and then obviously heading into Alabama. Yeah, Brian Johnson and, uh, well, I guess Dan Mullen first, uh, mm. said that the Gators are going to come out and they're going to run the wishbone this weekend against LSU because we are challenging their ability to run the ball. And, yeah, I think we are. Yeah. I mean, where has it been Should besides be. the Arkansas game? Um, I would like to say I think they are capable of it, and because we saw it against a good defense in Arkansas, they ran for 208 yards. I mean, they it was a productive night on the ground. And we know that Damian Pierce especially has been capable of consistently churning out even the tough yards uh we've said that we've been fans of him on him um of his game especially throughout the year and we've talked about just wanting to see more from the running game i I, i've come to accept that it's just not the style of the team and they're going to live and die by the pass we love that because we love innovative passing football exciting football in this day and age especially but Come back, come back to bite them. You you will want to beat Alabama with some balance. I think they're going to be prepared for Florida to come out and uh, try and throw mm-hmm. the ball really well. And we know that Nick Saban's a great um, coach, especially with innovative coverages. So you'd want to ideally see that maybe a week entering before the Alabama game where they can show that they are able to run the ball. Right. And this is going to be one of the most talented defenses that, that they face. I know that Alabama hasn't looked like the – you know, the early 2000s, late 2000s Alabama defense that you're so excited to watch. You know, the first, everyone's a first round pick, that kind of thing. I know that that's not the defense this year, but they've got some players, Patrick Sertain, a couple other guys in, in, in the defensive backfield. They got a couple guys on the on the defensive line that are probably going to go in the first round. So there, there's definitely some, some dogs on that team. And if you're going to go against Florida, you know, as, as a team, you have to be able to be a little bit balanced. I mean, Alabama's going to be balanced. Najee Harris is still an amazing running back. They're able to run the football plenty. Um, I think that that's I think that that's reflected in the Mac Jones numbers. I understand that people want to hype up Kyle Trask a lot, and I'm not trying to bring him down in his Heisman hopes. I do absolutely think that he deserves to win the Heisman. But if you're going to knock down Mac Jones, it's you have to look at the Alabama offense as, as a whole. First of all, you know, Mac Jones doesn't play much in the fourth quarter sometimes because Alabama's up so much. Um, second of all, they're using a lot of Najee Harris in the running game. And I don't think I think that that's something that Florida lacks. They haven't tried to establish the run. And Dan Mullen kind of talked about it. He said, you know, we can run 40 times a game if you guys want us to, you know, kind of sarcastically. And, and then as Zach alluded to, he did say the wishbone offense, which I, for one, would love to see that, please. You know, this is LSU week. I know like, you, they're going to win. So, truthfully, I, I want to see something. They could run the ball out of the wishbone, but like Brian Johnson <laughs> yeah. can have his way. They can run a ton of play action. You put Zipper please. as one of the fullbacks, and then you get Kyle Trask in line, and you run high low combinations to the right side of the field. What What about that, that three quarterbacks? <laughs> what about the three quarterback look with the with Anthony uh, Richardson? 
at tight end. Come on, we got to do it. Just just something, you know. But uh, on a serious note, I feel as though they need to figure out a way to establish or figure out if they can establish the run. I know that they feel that they can, but besides that Arkansas game, like like you said, they haven't really tried. They haven't done it enough. They haven't given. I'm I'm pretty sure that Damian Pierce still hasn't gotten over maybe 13 carries a game. It, it it's kind of baffling when you think about it. So. Uh, I, I think that at, at, at the end of the day, they're going to have to be a little bit more balanced, and maybe this week they will be just to kind of test it out, but it's going to be interesting to see. I know that we keep looking forward to Alabama, but, you know, it's basically already here, so we might as well talk about it. Yeah, we're going to keep talking about it when we come back from this quick break. Uh, we do have Florida versus Alabama. It is now officially on our calendars, even though we've been preparing for it for, like, just over a month now, uh, since November 7th. Uh, it's kind of on my calendar then, but now it's official. So we'll be talking a little bit more about that when we come back from this quick break. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Whether it's work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. And that's when you reach for a Coors Light. Especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport, just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time consuming. That's why I've started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low calorie, low sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to buildbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for 20% off at buildbar.com. All right, so it is now official. Florida is off to Atlanta uh, on December 19th for the SEC Championship game. First time under Dan Mullen, uh, first time since Jim McElwain was here when Florida did face Alabama and lost. Uh, mm hmm. I would figure this will be a different game. Our early impressions, I still have to go back and do full film reviews of Alabama, but my early impressions are I do think Florida will be able to match scores for the most part. Uh, kind of like we've said throughout the year, this is a team that I wouldn't really question them, even though they've had some poor – well, yes, I would question them about the run game. Uh, <laughs> but when it's all said and done, like I wouldn't question their ability to score when they need to because they've proven throughout the year that they can – I mean, they've not scored under 30 points ever in, in one yep. game. It's it's crazy. So with that, you, you would anticipate that it will be close to the end, possibly high scoring, but regardless, 
a lot of matching scores, it'll just come down to does UF give up that one explosive play that they couldn't? Does Kyle Trask throw that one interception or that one pass that should have been intercepted and it changes the momentum of the game? It's like, what what just happened? It, all it takes is that one thing mm-hmm. with Florida, I think we've kind of seen throughout the year, that Alabama is not the type of team that would – they would take advantage of it. Yeah, no, they, no, they they absolutely would, and I think that if you look at Kyle Trask's throws, he has these balls, and I think you guys can all agree, at least one or two a game where you're like that could have been intercepted or should have been intercepted, but it wasn't because the opposing defense just didn't take advantage of the poor throw. He's had at least a couple of those. I remember early in the game against Tennessee, he threw into triple coverage, and there was there was no reason for him to do that. You know, he's he has those lapses. He tries to fit them in there when. You know, his his receiver has to go make a play. And, yeah, those are great balls to, to to try to give to your guys who you know you can jump, like Trayvon Grimes. I mean, all these guys, honestly, Jacob Copeland, everybody, Kyle Pitts. So, like, it, it, you have you have those guys that can win those 50-50 balls or even maybe 33, whatever, 33-33-33 balls. But um, it, it, it's still very uh, concerning because you're hitting into a team, you're hitting into a game where – Alabama's going to take advantage of those. When they get the interception, they're not going to punt the next drive. They're probably going to drive down and score because they're in the plus side of the field. You know, there's there's situations where you can't make a mistake. And now I'm not trying to hype up Alabama too much, but they kind of deserve it. I mean, look at it. Najee Harris already has 1,000 yards. Florida could even get close to that in terms of the running game. And it's not as though Najee Harris was the only one running the ball. They had Brian Robinson running for 331 yards. There's there's just a lot of, of talent on this Alabama offense where I'm kind of skeptical if Florida does make a mistake, if they do have that random Justin Shorter fumble or things like that, turn over the ball, uh, it could get a little dicey. Yeah, it absolutely could. I think that'll end up being what decides this game is who plays more perfect football. It it really Mm -hmm. will. Because we know Alabama's capable of that. I mean, with everything they've got (laughs) on that team. Oh my I don't want to. I don't want to take away from Mac Jones, but like, I guess people are it, the argument to try and split the hairs between the two is weird. Florida hmm. depends on Trask, and he's got so much to offer, uh, or like to help him in the past game with Pitts, with Grimes, with KT, with running backs that can catch, and that's fine. But at the hmm. end of the day, Florida's offense is one dimensional, and it relies on Kyle Trask to make things happen. Mac Jones. Right. Like, it he he throws a nice ball, but I mean they can run the they ball. Don't need him. They can run the ball at will. They have probably the best offensive line in the nation, if not one of them at least. Uh, Devonta Smith is just as dangerous in his own way as Kyle Pitts. Like mm-hmm. they they can they can beat you in multiple ways, and we know Florida can beat you in one. Yep. And I've, I I was reading online on Twitter. I mean, like, I don't think this would happen or whatever, but Devontae Smith Heisman types is kind of getting a little bit real. <laughs> and, and, and and it's kind of warranted. I mean, look at it. 80, 80 receptions, 1,305 yards, 15 touchdowns, and they played, what, nine games this year? Yeah. So, like, that's insane, and and that's better than Jamar Chase's year last year. I think, or I think it's around the same. I remember seeing a comparison, and you know, Jamar Chase played fourteen games last year. So, just look at the projections, and this guy's going to be a top ten pick probably. And you're going against a you're going against an offense that has a Kyle Pitts essentially. I know that Kyle Pitts is a completely different player, tight end, wide receiver. Uh, obviously, um, obviously, Devontae Smith is small, but. In terms of the offensive explosion and what they bring to the table, exact same player, or you know maybe even Devonte Smith could be even more important 
to Alabama's team than uh, Florida is or to Pitts is to Florida just because we've seen obviously their offense can run can throw the football pretty effectively without Pitts I'm not trying to undersell how much he means to this team but uh, it's just a little bit different and if you if you have all of that where you can match and you can see that Alabama's maybe a little bit more explosive at times they're more consistent it's just a tough one to get into how are they gonna how are they gonna overcome that I think that if there is one team obviously in the SEC it is gonna be Florida but um, I'm just really excited to see this matchup. I mean, just come on. It's it's SEC football. Now, one thing we have to talk about, though, is what happens after that. What happens mm. if, I mean, it, it's such a weird year with, I mean, all these cancellations. We've seen Ohio State and Michigan. We've seen Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Mm. Uh, that one likely won't be played. Alabama beats Florida. Does Texas A&M make it in? It, it, and that you got two SEC teams in the playoff. Uh, <laughs> if Florida wins, they're still probably facing Alabama, right? Or is a one in a yeah. four or something? I yeah, I mean, I think that if I think someone put it on Twitter where they're asking, you know, how how will it look out or how will it look if Florida beats Alabama? Because obviously Alabama would probably still be in the top four, which they deserve, and not. My opinion, Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in the top four, uh, the, and it's not their fault necessarily. But they've only played five games, and they just canceled their last one. I don't know what they're going to do, who they're going to play, but um, I don't think they are. So five games, I don't think it's enough. I think that they haven't played enough competition. They haven't beaten enough good teams. I mean, Penn State's horrible. Nebraska's horrible. Rutgers is Rutgers, and Indiana's the only good team on the on the list, and they barely won. So I, I don't see how you could possibly put in Ohio State. So just drop them off the menu and then have Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, and Florida in some order. Um, the only thing is I think that they would need to make it so there's not rematches. No one wants to see Notre Dame versus Clemson again, which, you know, that's going to be the SEC ACC title game. So no one wants to see that matchup again the next week. I mean, if, yeah, if, if it three, ends up working that'd out. That would be three times this year. Yeah, if, if it ends up working out, like – Sure, but I, I just don't see why they would want why they would do it that way. So I think I believe two plays three, and you know, obviously one plays four. So maybe maybe you can seed it like this, where Clemson is number one, Florida is number two, uh, Notre Dame is number three, and then Alabama is number four. At least then you'll have some different matchups in there. And I understand that maybe Alabama would have something to say about being number four, or but they, they can't really Who argue cares? about being a hit. Yeah, yeah, they they, they wouldn't be able. To, the last thing I care about is what Alabama has to say. Whatever, sure. right? Right. So like, it, it wouldn't even matter. But I, I just want something that's not boring. So I, I think that you're right. You know, you can't have rematches. It would be kind of weird. Uh, I think that that's how it would be seated, and I think that they'll they'll end up deserving it. And even Clemson, it's kind of crazy. You know, Tre Trevor Lawrence goes out for a few weeks, and they they didn't really miss a beat. I know they lost one time, but I mean, who cares? So I guess we'll just we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to say the least, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be absolute chaos, and I think that's really what we've signed up for this year. Am I right? Yeah, no, that's exactly what we signed up for. <laughs> when we come back, we are going to be talking about uh, some potential in-house chaos. That would be if Florida had to replace its offensive coordinator, should Brian Johnson end up getting a head coaching job? Uh, when we come back from this quick break, we'll talk about what everyone had to say about that and what they think about his future as a potential head coach. So, yes, Brian Johnson, uh, obviously, like I said, we 
haven't recorded since, but he did interview for the South Carolina job before Shane Beamer took it. Um, seemed like a real questionable hire up there, but mm-hmm. then again, I'm I'm excited to see how it pans out. A bit of a legacy there, and I guess while we think a lot of Brian, I think a 33 year old um, head coach with only three years of coordinator experience might have gotten people to scratch their heads a little bit too uh, after what South Carolina has been through. But with that being said, he is 33, and yet he's got his first interview under his belt. Safe to assume more will come at some point, uh, whether it's this year, if there are more openings that pop up beyond Vanderbilt and whatever's left. Um, But if not, in the next couple of years. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, it would have been shocking to hire Brian Johnson right now. This is his first, as far as we know, head coaching opportunity interview you have to go through that at least one time. No one, not very many people get hired immediately after, you know, their first interview. You know, South Carolina is a big gig, SEC football. I'm sure if he wanted to, he could go ahead and be a head coach in a lower division conference, maybe the group five or maybe even some team in, in one of the power five conferences. But SEC, it's kind of tough, especially with South Carolina. Um, it, it, it just didn't really make sense in terms of from their perspective, in my opinion, to have the, that young of a guy. But I think that that just speaks volumes as to what kind of coach Brian Johnson is. I mean, just look at what he's gotten these quarterbacks to look like. Look at what he's done with this offense. I understand that everybody wants to put Dan Mullen on a pedestal and say, oh, it's Dan Mullen's offense. But look at what Brian Johnson's been able to do and how smart he is. I mean, every single time we're talking to him on the press conferences every week on Mondays, it just seems like he's the head coach. Like I, I, I enjoy speaking with him because he's so articulate and so smart in what he says. And so I think that if there's anybody who deserves a gig or after this season, anybody who deserves a promotion, it's probably him. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Florida maybe gives him a little bit of a pay raise after this year. What do you think? I mean, they did give him a solid one this offseason. I do know that. Mm. So I'd be curious because you'd figure – they're trying to give anyone a pay raise right now. It's probably the head man. But as we've said before, and as we'll say until more stuff comes out, uh, I think we're going to avoid that topic for now. But, yeah, I think Johnson, you're right. He's going to need to get more than one interview under his belt before he ends up getting a job. I'm curious if Florida, and I've talked to you a little bit about this before, I'm curious what the amount of success that they've seen under Dan, uh, they've seen from the passing offense, if they would entertain the idea of grooming him, trying to potentially give him the keys whenever Dan would eventually possibly go to the NFL. We know he's not at all shut down the idea of coaching in the NFL. In fact, I think one day he'd probably like to end up doing it based off the way he talked about the NFL in 2019. And again, he 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 didn't shut that idea down the other day exactly either when I did ask him about it. I personally like the idea of that continuity of that would be interesting mm-hmm. uh, of making Brian Johnson your heir to Dan Mullen at Florida. So you can retain some of the staff if it's truly what you're happy with. Uh, you can certainly say that you fix the offense for the long run at that point, mm. um, <laughs> which is I'm sure what Florida fans would like to hear the most. Yeah. I mean, this would be, 
actually that that is an interesting thought it, it would it would probably be obviously a timing thing so brian johns is not going to want to stick around and like maybe i'm going to be promoted to the head coaching job when dan leaves and but what if dan doesn't leave for another five years you know what i mean yeah so i, I guess it would be more of a timing situation but that would be interesting i'm sure i'm sure that's uh, strickland would want to keep uh, brian johnson on staff in terms of the football team i'm sure that 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 that's a conversation that they've had or thought about at least to an extent i think that every team needs to have a contingency plan especially when you're a, a coach like dan mullen or you have a coach like dan mullen who you know probably wants a head co- uh, an nfl gig I, I know that he was asked about it uh but he didn't completely shut it down and i think that that's a first sign of a coach now i i don't want to shock or, or scare Gator fans. I know that everybody's saying that he's never going to leave, but just look at every single coach that's, you know, had success and they've gone on to make that jump. It happens. I'm sorry. It just it, it does and, and last year. You're going to ha- leaving Yeah, Baylor. you're going to have you're going to have to get you're going to have to at least mentally prepare yourselves now. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen this year. I'm not even saying it's going to happen next year, but it could happen the year after. Could happen this year, could happen next year. Doesn't matter. I'm just saying that at some point I believe that Dan Mullen's going to want to be a head coach in the NFL. You know, I heard some NFL rumblings last year and might not have worked out, but it 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 it'll be interesting to see. So, um but you're right, you know, Brian Johnson, especially uh, a minority coach in, at at Florida, you know, he was the first minority uh or black coach or offensive coordinator at Florida, which is amazing. So, just imagine that jump too, the, the first minority black um head coach. It, it would it would just be a great story even even in that, right? So, I would love to see it. Um, I guess I guess we'll we'll just see how how the years progress. Yeah, I'd love to see it too. And I mean, from what we've how we've gotten to know Johnson, uh, really great guy to deal with as well. Uh, I would say from a media perspective that he's also a coach I'd enjoy working with. Um, if if and when he does end up getting that promotion, so he's got my stamp of approval, and it'd be entertaining to cover him as Florida's head coach. So mm-hmm. fun little fun little theory there as well. That should, just, that should just about do it for today's episode of Locked On Gators. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to go subscribe, rate, and review. You can do that on iTunes as well as listen to us anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter as well. Myself at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius82, and most importantly at Locked On Gators. You'll never miss an episode. And we will catch up with you guys next time.